welcome to the unofficial UPAN podcast. My name is Paula Bautista and I'm your host. So, as we know, Penn students are really talented in many different ways. Some are very talented academically and doing great research. Some, you know, go, go to do great things in industry and business. And there are a lot of very creative people as well. Penn has a thriving performing arts scene ranging from acapella to perform to theater to, of course, dance. Um, our next guest on this podcast uh, is someone who's at the center of the dance community at Penn, Ramita Ravi. Now, if that name sounds familiar, she also appeared on So You Thinking in Dance. In fact, she went to the round after auditions. Uh, she flew out from commencement straight to L.A. to attend that. So um, definitely dedicated to her craft. In fact, uh, while she does plan on returning to Penn to matriculate into her Master's of Public Health, uh, she's actually currently working in New York City as a full-time dancer. Um, and we actually talked a bit about that, uh, about how it's very similar to being an entrepreneur, um, as well as you know her past before coming to Penn, being a dancer, and what life at Penn was like as a dancer, including pushing for a dance uh, studies program, which Penn uh, didn't really and still doesn't really have at, to this day. Um, we actually recorded this podcast right before she taught a class in here in New York, um, outside the studio. So there may be some background noise and, uh, I'm really sorry, but there were some audio issues where my microphone wasn't fully plugged in for the first half of the episode. So I may sound a little bit soft, but Ramita's words were captured perfectly, which pretty much is what's important. You don't really want, you're not here listening to me. You're here to listen to her. So let's, let's cut, uh, let's cut to the interview. Uh, catch you guys on the other side. Thanks for coming to the podcast, Ramita. Uh, it's you know, a pleasure to have you. I'm so looking forward to talking with you. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. All right. So let's just talk into it. So uh, let's go back to before you came to Penn. So, you know, where did you grow up? What was family life like at home? Um, so, yeah, just, just try to get a sense of where you came from, I guess. Yeah. Um, I grew up in Murraysville, Pennsylvania, um, is which is a small town outside of Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh, okay. Um, I... Both of my parents immigrated from India. My dad um, was born in India but came here when he was eight, so he grew up in the U.S., um, went to college here. My mom came here when she was married, um, and culture was very, very important to me throughout my childhood. We went to um, a temple that was very close to us, and that's how I met a lot of my South Asian friends. Um, That's where I started dancing and learned about Indian culture through dance, through the community there. Um, But otherwise, um, the community I was a part of was pretty... um, It wasn't that diverse. Um, We were one of the few immigrant families in our area for most of my childhood. So um, it was nice to have the temple as that balance to see into Indian culture, but also, you know, be immersed in just American mainstream culture um, for the rest of the ta- for the rest of the time, um, but yeah, that's kind of what my story is. I went to school in um, the city of Pittsburgh. Um, it was a small all girls school called the Ellis School, and that was a whole um, different experience that I really loved because um, I got to meet a ton of really diverse women who. Um, we're all passionate about very different things, and I think going there kind of cultivated, helped me continue to cultivate my interest in dance and just pursuing, you know, my own path and passions, that type of thing. Cool. So I guess, like, what kind of student were you? Were you like, you know, a typical, like, you know, like a very all A, very like very into your studies, or were you like kind of a different kind of like how 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 you describe yourself? Yeah, I was very very focused. Um, 
growing up, my parents wouldn't let me dance if my grades weren't also up to par. And even then, <laughs> when my grades were up to par, sometimes they'd be like, why are you spending all your time at dance? So I would really focus on school um, just because I wanted to kind of prove it to them. And I also really loved school. I loved learning. Um, I was never a books and straight A type of person just to like get the grade, um, but I really liked learning and my school kind of fostered um, an environment where dialogue was really important and you know having conversations, learning with um, like a deep understanding. Um, so I loved that. I loved that environment and it made school really rewarding and fun. Okay, so what were your favorite classes in high school? My favorite classes, I was really interested in science when I was in high school, um, and I still am. In college, it kind of shifted from pre-med to more public health or health and business, but um, in high school, I was really interested in um, science and uh, human behavior. Um, so I liked a lot of English classes where we explored psychology, and I liked connecting that with the science classes and exploring how people think and act and the neurological basis behind that. Um, I did a lot of autism research, which kind of connects all of that again. Um, so I'd say, yeah, science with a little hint of the humanities thrown in there. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough, and obviously, you know, like, I'm assuming your main extracurricular was, you know, dance. Um, so let's go, let's have a little bit into like the type of dances you do, because obviously there's a lot of different kinds of South Asian dances out there. Mm -hmm. um, what are the kinds, I guess, that you're most familiar? How would you describe them to somebody who maybe isn't as familiar? Like, yeah. With the different, different different types. Yeah. So. Um, I think India in general has so many different cultures and um, regions that have their own types of celebration, types of art, types of movement, and um, so the dance that I was trained in was um, classical Indian dance from South India called Bharatanatyam. Um, and it was mainly performed in temples. Um, it's very religious in nature, so there will be a lot of storytelling that depicts um, stories of gods and goddesses, um, mythological tales, and it's very devotional throughout. Um, there is another classical Indian dance style from the north called Kathak um, that is similarly devotional um, but just has different aesthetic principles and is not as overtly about mythology it's more just devotional in practice and in the way that it the movement occurs um, and there are seven classical Indian dance forms that um, have similar roots but have um, different forms different footwork different arm work um, and there are a lot of nuances to all of them. Um, so that's what I was trained in, but growing up I also did Bollywood dance, um, and Bollywood is just the film industry in India, and they... From one part of India, right? Yeah, from one part of India, and so um, it's like a mixture of so many different dance styles, which is really interesting because we would just do it, um, we would put on a song and, you know, dance for festivals um, when we were growing up, and it was a way to kind of connect with a certain aspect of our culture, in, in a way that was very fun and celebratory. Um, so I loved doing Bollywood. I loved learning, dabbling in different styles because there was, um, my temple was kind of based in the South, Asia, South Indian community in Pittsburgh, but there was also a really vibrant North Indian community. So I learned a lot about their culture and their dances, their practices. Um, 
So yeah, it was really interesting. All right, so time out, there's a lot of stuff that I kind yeah. of want to follow up on. So first off, one quick question is, who's Gui? You mentioned Gui, is it like, did you have like a dance group you were part of, or just your friends, or what? Uh, growing up, so I trained under um, my teacher, who was actually my great aunt. Um, great aunt meaning my dad's aunt um, so she trained me she grew up dancing as a professional dancer um, who has toured throughout the world and now is based in um, the US she teaches at Slippery Rock University um, outside of Pittsburgh um, in their dance department which is really wonderful so she was my teacher and then we had a group of students that always um, worked with her and that I took classes with okay and how old were you when you started I guess like training or I started um, both classical Indian dance as well as um, ballet and contemporary when I was five. A five? Okay, yeah. so speaking of, let's hold up. So obviously, you know, you have your South Asian, your Indian South that you, that you grew up with, that have, you have that cultural connection with. How did you get into all the other styles and what are those other styles, I guess, that you trained in? Yeah, um, so when I was young, I really wanted to be a gymnast, but um, my mom saw ballet classes and she thought it'd be awesome if I was a ballerina and so um, we made a compromise and there was a studio that did ballet as well as acrobatics um, so I started with those two and then I added on jazz, I added on tap, added on hip-hop contemporary, lyrical, everything. Um, yeah and whenever you're at a studio like that and um, dancing competitively which I started when I was six I guess um, you kind of have to do everything and um, it was it was great I think because it made me a very versatile dancer it made me understand the different cultures associated with all of those dance styles um, and also you're putting a ton of hours into training into technique into really mastering your skills um, and then letting the artistic part of it come out so I loved that growing up um, and I went to one studio that was located in Ross Draver, Pennsylvania which is a little bit away from where I lived and then um, I actually moved houses and then I went to a different studio that was ultimately where I graduated from. Okay, cool. So, what is the like being a competitive dancer as like a middle high schooler like? Because, I mean, I so I like I, you know that I'm like more into like the hip hop side of things, more break dancing. There's like a whole competitive scene there that's entirely different from like contemporary jazz, lyrical. Yeah. So what what what's that scene? Is there like a circuit or a scene? What's that all like? Yeah. So there. Are a ton of competitions that um, studios can sign up to go to. Um, I would go to probably six or seven a year, maybe even more than that. And for each one, I would have about 20 pieces. Wow. So um, we'd have maybe like 15 or 16 group numbers and then um, a duet, trio, uh, and a few solos. So it was very expensive. Um, it's I think a pretty big burden on families um, and I really appreciate that my family stuck, allowed me to stick with it um, and made that investment for me but I know that it's something that's really unreasonable for a lot of families um, and culturally I think that the space can be, um, it's not the most diverse space. I was often one of the few people of color like in the room, the only one at my dance studio for a while. Um, and I think I always hoped to see a little more diversity. Um, and it's not like it didn't exist, it just was 
not as common as you would see, and I think that maybe there are socioeconomic barriers um, that factor into that. Um, but a lot of it, there are some really wonderful aspects, which are that you get to perform all the time, mm -hmm. you get to travel to different places, you meet a ton of really amazing people throughout the country. You just have like um, a pillar in your life. How many hours would this take? Right. Um, or like how, how you take, I, I imagine you take up almost all your free time outside. Yeah, yeah, because um, training took, I would get home from school at 4 p.m. and then I would go to the studio at 4.30 and I would get home around 9 and I did that four days a week every day besides Friday. Um, Saturday I'd be at the studio all day and then Sunday I would do Indian dance all day. Okay. Um, so dance was really my only extracurricular growing up. Um, but the training really paid off and it was meaningful and you know you create a community and um, build really important friendships at the studio so it's not like it's a burden to be there or anything um, but yeah it does take up a lot of time um, but as does any I considered it my sport um, Fair enough. Yeah. so all right so let's try to move toward that because this is super fascinating but it's like you've done so much that I want to make sure we cover it all yeah um, first off what made led you to apply to Penn and then ultimately you know decide to accept you know coming to Penn did it like match any aspirations you had as a kid or, or what yeah so Penn actually wasn't really one of my top choices um, because it didn't have a dance program. Um, it was the only, yeah, it's the only school that I applied to that I, yeah, in the Ivy League, but also that I applied to um, that didn't have a dance program. And so I was really hesitant about it, but I applied anyway because um, I visited and I absolutely loved it. Um, and I actually, it wasn't my top choice. I had EA'd to a different school. I had gotten into a bunch of other schools and I was actually waitlisted at Penn. Um, and so I, for a long time, thought I was gonna go to the University of Virginia. Um, but then in June or something, I heard back from the waitlist and so I ended up coming to Penn. Um, and I'm kind of glad that it happened that way and that you know the other schools I applied to weren't as great of a fit for me. Um, I felt because I don't think that, you know, if I had Penn and something that was very similar to Penn, but the other school had a dance program, I think I definitely would have chosen the other school. But Penn had such a great um, extracurricular performing arts scene that I that I saw as soon as I got there and um, or as soon as I visited and that was also compelling so in the back of my mind I was like okay I will probably be fine here and I will make dance fit into my life somehow so I'm really glad that fate kind of nudged me to Penn um, <laughs> yeah I, I mean it's crazy that I almost didn't end up here because I love it so much now as an alum. It's like my favorite thing to talk about, and I'm super obsessed. So, um, but yeah, I, I wasn't really planning on it, but it kind of just happened, um, and it was an amazing, amazing experience. Yeah. Right, sounds good. So you know, you had Penn. So before we get into that, many, many extracurricular. <laughs> what, what, what? So you graduated class of 2017, right? Yes. Um, what did you graduate with a degree in? Um, I studied uh, health and societies. Okay. I was pre-med for a few years um, and then I kind of was exposed to other aspects of the healthcare system and I was really um, taken in by understanding healthcare in the context of 
uh, an urban environment and uh, Penn's public health programs were all a lot of the curriculum was based in West Philadelphia we got we got to see a lot of health problems firsthand in the city and so uh, I loved that and I'm really glad that um, I graduated with that You'll be, going back, you'll be going back in a year? Or a yeah, in um, September, I'm going to start going back. Um, I submatriculated into the Masters of Public Health program. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and so basically, I am hoping to go there once a week from New York um, and just slowly finish up my master's that way. Okay. Um, it'll probably take me two or three semesters. Um, but I, I don't want to stop dancing cold turkey, and I want to be able to pursue both simultaneously, so that's right, my plan. Sure. Um, Alright, and do you have any professors or classes specifically that you'd like to shout out or that you thought would be really fascinating that you'd recommend someone would take? Oh, there were a ton. Um, I, one of my first classes that I took was um, called The Autism Epidemic by Dr. David Mandel, and he is incredible. I absolutely loved his class, um, and it gave me a lot of good opportunities in kind of like the autism research space. Um, one of my, oh, one of my favorite classes I took my senior year was um, about gun violence and domestic violence. So incredibly fascinating. Um, the professor was Susan Sorensen, and she is an expert on gun violence and domestic violence, um, and has done a lot of meaningful work at school with sexual assault and understanding from a parent's perspective, from um, a victim perspective, um, predator perspective. Um, so. I absolutely learned so much from that class. All right, definitely. Anyone who still has Penn's listing, make sure you check out those classes. Yeah. Um, all right. So obviously, I think you're like most well, you were most well known on campus as kind of be the queen of dance. <laughs> so you were involved in the Performing Arts Council, specifically in charge of the Dance Arts Council. So I was in the Performing Arts group that wasn't affiliated with that. I was in Fix of the Beat, which is mm -hmm. like the more under, like more than more underground. We didn't yeah, more part of that. Yeah, but you guys are awesome. Thank, thank you. <laughs> but so why don't you, you know, for anyone who wasn't doesn't really know what PAC or DAC is. Explain what that is. Like. Yeah, so PAC um, is an umbrella organization that oversees 46 performing arts groups. There are 12 groups under DAC's umbrella. Um, and a lot of these groups um, became a part of DAC just, be, just because they were around when DAC formed. So um, a lot of groups existed previously just on their own and the university felt that there was a need for an umbrella organization to kind of manage and facilitate space needs and facility needs, um, financial needs for all of these. Um, and so that's why the Performing Arts Council formed and so newer groups like Freaks of the Beat um, and other organizations I think as well right now there's just not enough space oh, yeah. no, I, to I, go I, around I no no totally yeah. yeah but right now there's just not enough space and so I think unfortunately like we've been on a consortium for a few years which makes it tough to bring everyone in to the thing oh no not at all no but just like yeah. it, that's the unfortunate like truth, and I was in um, I was in Penthalana, which was also a non-DAC group. Right. So it was cool to it was cool to like have both perspectives and just okay. see how you know all the resources so, were allocated right, and that so type of as thing. As chair of DAC, what would you say you know your responsibilities for? What was that role like? You know, what was kind of the culture around the performing arts scene on campus? I yeah, um, DAC was uh, being DAC chair was 
simultaneously one of the most rewarding and challenging jobs I've ever done. Um, there are so many moving parts that you have to manage and navigate um, because you're basically balancing the needs of administrators, of the facility facilities managers, um, the student groups, the performers in the student groups, um, and then a Google Calendar that kind of puts it all together. So there are a lot of moving parts um, and it was it was interesting to learn about all the different dance groups and all their different styles and what their needs were based on that because some people couldn't dance on um, a wooden floor because their heels would step into the cra or fall into the cracks or like um, other people were tap dancers and weren't allowed in some rooms. So it was just interesting to um, see how style and genre played into all of that. Um, a big thing that uh, I think PAC Exec has been working on is just making the community feel more inclusive um, and that's something that I think after I did Apollyon became more involved in the a APA community at Penn. Um, I was kind of starting to see how, you know, my role as a leader in the performing arts space was more than just being a leader. Like I'm a I'm a woman of color who is in a space that has some minorities, but minorities are generally in like specialty styles um, and things like that. So it was interesting to be someone who was in a very mainstream group um, who also had the responsibility of representing people from all different cultures and making everyone feel like they had a place in that community. Um, so there were a ton of initiatives that were built in our last year um, on PAC Exec to kind of foster that type of Sounds space. Sounds good. Um, and you know, obviously you mentioned that you're part of multiple groups and I know that you know, you're, you're part of the Arts House, um, which is Quite frankly, so you know, you know, I did videography for you guys. You yeah. Know, and I, honestly, like some of your performances were some of my favorite, like, like all four <laughs> Thank years. Thank you. Um, so, what was it like, you know, being on Arts House? Why don't you tell us about, like, you know, about Arts House and any, you know, fun stories you might have? Because part of this podcast is I wanted to capture like a history of like what life was like at, at Penn. Penn. Yeah. Um, what was life like as part of like, art? What is Arts House? What's life like? Yeah. Like Arts House, I think, has grown immensely in my four years there. I think. Um, when I first joined, the shows didn't really have um, a theme that oh, went through. Well, Arts House is. Oh, is, Arts yeah. House is a, um, a dance group that focuses on contemporary jazz ballet. Um, and most of the dancers are technically trained, have grown up dancing. Um, but our shows, we did a show each semester, and I think previously our shows um, didn't have a huge theme associated. We kind of um, picked a theme just for a photo shoot or just for marketing purposes. Um, but then slowly we were able to weave the theme into the pieces, into the story. We created um, videos that would capture the essence of all of it. Um, I think as a community we changed a lot, um, and our conversations deepened and we became closer at a deeper level um, and our dancing also evolved immensely I think that um, we began to become more in touch with just different people's styles different genres um, and I know that personally my voice as an artist totally was able to expand um, through Arts House I had so many opportunities to choreograph and to choreograph in styles where I brought Indian dance into it um, I just, I learned so much as an artist and being 
able to lead that group. While Jack was kind of a nightmare sometimes, Arts House was always my like, oh, thank God that I have this group because it's a family and it's being responsible for a group like that is like, I, I felt like a parent most of the time. Were you, were you any leadership in, in Arts House? Yeah, I was artistic director and chair of so, Arts House. So how was, I guess, uh, being how is dancing as a high schooler, I guess, different than dancing in college, I guess? Totally, totally different because in high school it was totally focused on competing versus in college it was focused on creating and um, being part of a community where you're not the best one and you're not trying to compete to be the best one. Everyone is an individual and you have to embrace and uplift everything that every single person brings to the table. So, um, especially in leadership roles, I was in the back burner and my job, I felt, was to just lift everyone else up and make sure that they were happy and that they, their responsibilities were appreciated and um, I think that hopefully that cultivated a good atmosphere and I see in, now it's been um, two boards since I was chair and I can see even still that you know, the community is there. They're so strong um, in terms of their dancing, but they're a family, and um, I love that about it. And we had that in high school, but not to the same degree. Sounds like you're living with, you're basically Yeah, and, and creating together versus, you know, a choreographer telling you what to do and just mm -hmm. executing it and competing with one another. This was like, we all produced the shows together, and, and like it was really amazing. You of yourself to exactly. and they give something back to you. Exactly, every time. Cool. Um, well, actually, one quick question before we move on. What, how did you find that? Like, did you know about it coming into Penn? Mm -hmm. okay. So Arts House was one of the reasons that I did decide to apply to Penn um, because I felt that I could still dance at a high level um, even though we didn't have a dance program. Um, so yeah, I knew about it coming in and I don't even know if I would have applied if I if that hadn't been there. Alright, cool. And then your other group that you mentioned, you and Penn Kalana, mm -hmm. which is like uh, all-female classical uh, South Asian dancing group, right? Yes. Um, did you do any other styles than what you had learned? Um, Growing up or? Um, it was mostly focused on Bharatanatyam, okay. which is what I learned growing up, and that's one of the reasons that I wanted to join it. Okay. Um, obviously, I, like I said, I did Bollywood and um, a bunch of other styles when I was young, but classical is just something that it has such rich history and tradition, and I wasn't ready to let go of that totally. Um, and the cool thing about classical Indian dance at college is that there's a competitive circuit there. So, right, so what, is, what, what is that competitive circuit? Yeah, it's incredible. It's, I mean, it's so beautiful, to be honest, because people are taking these age-old stories and putting them to new music that still has, like, the integrity of that, like, classical flair. Um, and they're creating big pictures and imagery that is very evocative of the current times, but they're bringing in old stories and um, tradition into their pieces. And I absolutely loved watching that when we went to competitions. And it was also cool to be able to create that with other people who were of the same background, who had similar experiences growing up. Um, how, and I loved it. How often do you guys compete as Kalana? I think we went to one or two competitions okay. a season, um, and we also had a show, so we had to split our time between that. Yeah. Um, and to be honest, I was on it full time for maybe one year, um, but then it ended up being a lot with Arts House. So I, so I kind of, yeah. So by senior year, I had to 
trickle out a little bit, but um, the first few years I, I was really, really involved um, and still like I absolutely loved the group. Even when I wasn't dancing with them, I would still um, watch all their pieces and go to their shows and okay, everything, right. yeah. Um, all right, and then let's see. Um, so there's a lot, there's a, uh, one, one other, I guess, main thing is that you actually, I remember reading this in the DP, you actually kind of tried to push for a dance program that you said Penn didn't have. Yeah. So why don't you give the story on, on all that? Actually? Yeah. Um, it was part of a class, right? Yeah. So to be honest, one summer I was at Penn and um, I, w I really wanted to dance just with my friends who were there and a ton of people were there. So um, I would book out space in Annenberg and it turned into this whole series of... Um, yeah, I, know, I know that Facebook group. Yeah, yeah the Penn dance. Summer Dance Series, yeah. Um, so it literally just started because we were like, we, we should dance for the summer. Um, but it still exists and they have done it every summer since. Um, but that was the first time that... I feel like at Penn there are so many spaces where there's a blank canvas and there are so many resources you just have to pull from what you see and then create something and that was the first time that I did it and doing it as kind of a trial run over the summer I was like oh maybe I do have like um, the ability to work on a dance program and like pursue this other big project that I've always kind of wanted to create like make happen in the back of my head so by um, at the beginning of my junior year, I really kind of hit the ground running with it. I worked with um, three other students and we um, ended up reaching out to a bunch of faculty and there were a ton of faculty who had a history with dance that you wouldn't have previously known. Um, like there was one woman, I'm not remembering her name right now, but she was in the Africana Studies Department um, and she danced with um, Urban Bush wo women who um, which is like a big professional dance group um, for the African diaspora. Um, and so it was really interesting to learn about how all of these different professors and people at Penn were connected with dance. Um, anyway, we talked to the theater arts department and we talked to a professor in the English department. That professor um, had a history, had a background in dance history and so she created a class um, on the history of ballet and gender roles associated. Um, there was another course that the theater arts department agreed to host that was called Contemporary Dance Performance and Practice and it was um, taught by a professor from UArts. So slowly we kind of chipped away at it. I could see, um, obviously I'm not there anymore right now, but even as a grad student I'd love to see um, a course that's on the business side of the dance industry or just different performing arts industries in general because I think that would be very valuable for a ton of students. Um, there are a lot of intersections that can happen between dance and health, dance and um, music, dance and engineering. I've heard people do projects yeah. about you know the physics of my, a turn and that's awesome. Year, actually, um, one of, I think a, a senior, I think, when I was a freshman, who was in the digital media design program, actually did some projects with freaks where she would like capture, like either do motion tracking, yeah. or like capture, captures dancing on her hands and feet. Yeah, and absolutely. There's definitely a ton of, of applications. And Penn, if you're listening, please like help, help continue. Please, this, uh, yeah. I think there have been some new grants. Um, there was recently. For Platt's 10th anniversary, um, we got a big grant um, from the Sachs family that 
I was focused on arts innovation, mm -hmm. so new academic programming in the arts. There is a new collaboration with Annenberg Center, and they're creating an innovation hub that's going to live at Annenberg Center. Okay. So a lot of new work is happening to innovate the arts, and I know that um, Amy Gutman on her next campaign tour is hoping to make performing arts um, one of her top priorities in terms of you know facilities needs and funding and all of that which is wonderful all right for um, sure yeah no freaks love it when the new annenberg dance studio opened up we have yeah. like, oh my god there's like no there's barely space because we weren't DAC, so it's hardly yet space it's like right. oh my god the annenberg space yeah opened and up. that space is totally reserved for non-dac groups and i i love that space i feel like when I wasn't dancing with the Arts House, I would often just go there to create because mm -hmm. it's kind of, you know, it's in its own space. It's yeah. very um, secluded and it feels really nice. All right. A creative so bubble. There's a lot more you did at Penn. I don't think we'll have time to talk about <laughs> all okay. of it because there's a lot more you're doing post-Penn. <laughs> but I just wanted to acknowledge that you did do stuff with Penn Speaks for Autism. actually interviewed Grace Tron. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, uh, Amazing. Uh, in the previous episode. And you did research for autism. You're also involved in TEDx. Mm -hmm. um, and on like planning, basically? or. Yeah, I was on uh, the content team and the marketing team, um, which was amazing. And then that opened a lot of doors. They did an internship at TEDMED oh, wow. um, afterwards, which was wonderful. And similarly, working on strategy and content, um, and got to talk to some of the most amazing speakers and kind of help them create mm -hmm. their talks. So yeah. Okay, and then you also involved in the Hindu Hindu Student Council, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. So. Before we move to your life post-pen, what do you think, um, what legacy do you think you've had at, during your time at Penn um, that you've seen continue on, or that you'd like to think has continued on after you? Um, I would say the most tangible legacy was probably in the groups that I was mm -hmm. involved in. So um, with Arts House, I think a lot of the changes that happened, um, whether directly or indirectly, I had a role in, which, was, which is really nice to go back and look and see that they're maintaining some of the practices and tradi traditions that they don't even know that I was involved in, yeah. but that they just do. And mm -hmm. um, it's part of their lives is just second nature, which is really cool. Um, and similarly in DAC, there there was like what you mentioned earlier, like with the more, more diversity, more yeah, and there it, there were there are just small things here and there with the Emily Sachs dance benefit, um, which just happened. Um, right, I was that, watching that was definitely too. one of my favorite shows to film every year. Yeah, it, it's so fun and it brought the community get together. One of the things that. Um, I randomly was like, oh, it would be cool if we did a piece where all of the newbies come together. And my, my little brother is a freshman at Penn now, and oh, he was wow. like, guess what? I'm doing this piece with all of the Jack noobs. And what I was group, like, that's so he cool. In? He's in Penn the Maka. Okay, nice. Yeah. Um, and so, I don't know, just tiny things like that um, in spaces that I was really passionate about. Now, if they listen, they'll know you. it's <laughs> your fault. <laughs> Who knew? Uh, all right, cool. So, if anyone listening to this podcast, you know, didn't know you, like, know you that well before, they may have heard your name because, drumroll, you were actually on national TV as part of <laughs> So You Think You Can Dance. So, I believe this was your senior year, right? You hadn't graduated yet. I hadn't graduated. So, why don't you tell us a story, like, how you decided to audition, what the audition process like, and then, you know, you got on TV. I'll link it, you know, in the show notes, like that your your clip, um, and then you passed the audition um, first round, and then you went. Uh, what was, I'll, I'll let you tell the story. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I, 
actually really didn't want to audition. My best friend and roommate, Nick Silverio, um, who was also in Arts House with me and is the current DAC chair, um, actually told me that the season was coming back and that was, they were auditioning and he was like, you have to submit a video. So. I begrudgingly did it. He literally forced me to go to a studio and film it. Um, but I'm really glad in retrospect that he made me do it. Um, and that was during, like right before spring break and the first audition was during spring break of okay. my senior year. Um, it was in New York. We waited outside in the cold, kind of like what you see on yeah. TV. It was probably two degrees that day. It was crazy. Um, and my friend Nicole Frizzini, who's also in Arts House, waited with me all day. She's wonderful. Um, basically, behind the scenes, you have to do a round of improv, and then if you make it through that, then you um, are able to do your solo. They also ask you for your story and just your background, All the what producer your life stuff is like. Or mm -hmm. TV, so. And and so that part is cool, um, just filming and yeah. being on set. Um, then you perform for the judges. I went to choreography next. Um, Wait, so time out real quick. Yeah. So the other stuff, how did you decide the piece you were going to do? Like you definitely did like a classical image, which I don't think so you think in dance had really showcased before. So what led you to decide to do that particular piece, yeah. I guess? Um, growing up, I had watched the show uh, since season two, and mm -hmm. um, I kind of always wished that there was yeah. someone that looked like me on yeah, it. And there's always like honest. a random Bollywood week, but that's Yeah, like, but, but there were never, you know, Indian dancers on it. Mm -hmm. There uh, hasn't been, and so I was like, okay, if I'm going to be on this show or if I'm going to audition, then I want to do it in a way that brings together everything that I do. Um, and so that's, that's what I did, um, and uh, when I was in college, I would come up to New York and um, work with different choreographers to start fusing classical Indian dance and contemporary. Mm -hmm. It was something I dabbled with growing up, like starting in probably middle school. Um, but then coming to New York, I was really able to refine it and kind of uh, figure out my style within it. Um, and I called it Indian contemporary. So I went as an Indian contemporary dancer and um, Nick helped me choreograph my solos just to you know, be a sounding board of what looks good, what would look good on yeah. camera, especially since he had done the show before a few okay. seasons ago. Um, so yeah, uh, and I'm really glad that I was able to showcase that because I do think that it was non-traditional and it's something that they hadn't seen before. Mm -hmm. um, what was the moment like when you got the judges' feedback and it was like super positive? What was that moment like on stage? It was really amazing um, and I was really appreciative for... I honestly really messed up my solo. Um, no one knows. They, show, they showed no the good knows. parts on TV and the bad parts were terrible so I'm glad they didn't. But, um, but I really appreciated their feedback, both positive and negative. Um, and they did have mostly positive things to say but then... Um, like their negative feedback was just increasing performance quality and like using my face and I think that that is stuff that as a professional dancer now I need to constantly think about. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it was really it was really incredible. Um, and then so the then next after step, after this and you go to the next step. Yeah, the next is. step was going to the academy, which was in LA, and so that was really crazy because it was actually the day of graduation. Oh boy. Um, so I went a little bit late to the academy um, and. It was because I was graduating, I literally left commencement and got on a plane and went to Los Angeles, mm -hmm. which was the craziest day of my probably entire very life. Very happy day, I'm sorry. Yeah, a very happy day. Um, and then there I did another solo for the judges in my style. Um, and then 
And there it wasn't judges, it was all-stars, so people who have been on the show previously. Yeah. And that was really remarkable because I think the second solo I did was a little bit stronger and they really liked it and they hadn't seen me previously. So it was cool to have fresh eyes and see their reactions. Um, and then after that, you do a bunch of different styles. So we did hip hop, um, contemporary, ballroom. All that training paid off. <laughs> um, ballroom. And then we did a group round, okay. and then we did jazz, um, and I got cut at jazz at the top 30. Mm -hmm. um, and then they took, a, they had one more round, and then they took the top 10 okay. to the live show. So close. So close. Um, but we're still really happy for you. Um, <laughs> and thankful, I guess, you wrapped you this well on, on, on TV. <laughs> Thank you. Um, you wrapped yourself well. So, um, so, you know, obviously, kind of, you kind of chose to do something a little bit different than you know most people after graduation. Aside from being on national TV, you <laughs> decided to take a year off and before going back to MPH and uh, just dance professionally. So um, again, obviously, like I've I know professional dancers mostly from the hip hop side of things and the break dancing side, where their professional thing is like they like have the teach in studios or they go to competitions and like battle each other for prize money or whatever. Mm -hmm. But what's it like, I guess, um, for your side? Because I've seen some of the stuff you do is more like industry stuff and so on. Mm -hmm. So what are the, so first off, what are the logistics of being a professional dancer in New York a year out of graduation? Yeah. So I think the first lesson that I learned is that you can't, you can't be a professional dancer for a year. It needs to happen. Um, over time, you build your career over time. Okay. So that I, I should have known going into it. Um, but it's good that my MPH is kind of flexible and that I can take it slow because now I I have still a foot in the door of my academic passions, but um, can pursue this as well. Um, but logistically, every day looks a little bit different, um, especially for me, um, where. I'm focused on, I got here and I started doing a lot of Indian dance, so um, I'm So how does that work? Is it like, is it classes? Is it, uh, so is it classes or is it, you know, like uh, freelance stuff where people are like, oh, we're looking for someone to do an Indian performance or whatever? Yeah, so a lot of, there are a ton of companies that I work with. Um, and so they'll be hired for gigs, and so I'll be um, a dancer for that. I'm on tour with a Bollywood group, um, and we have a show that uh, goes through different uh, dance styles within Indian dance, mm -hmm. um, and then ties it all together with hit Bollywood songs, okay. all of that. Um, so we've been able to travel around the world. We're hopefully going to Southeast Asia later oh, this wow. year. Um, so that's one of the things I love. Um, I'm with a group that does um, contemporary Indian dance, and so um, the director of that gr group, Brinda Guha, is um, one of the people I worked with a ton in New York, and mm -hmm. she helped me kind of find my voice within Indian contemporary dance. Um, so a lot of, I'm probably with four or five companies. I also joined um, a contemporary company that... Um, what's, the com what's the company? Um, that one's called Michael Sestin Company. Okay. And so we had a show in November. Um, so it's kind of, you know, small shows here and there, um, gigs. I'm definitely living a freelance lifestyle. Um, and I've been doing a lot of um, work in the Indian dance realm, but obviously my training is in different styles. And so now I'm trying to see um, 
okay, where are the other spaces that I even want to be in? Um, am I interested in musical theater? Am I interested in more commercial work or um, like or being, a or being like a choreographer? Mm -hmm, exactly, like creative direction is something that I think is really interesting. Um, so I really want to explore the industry to its fullest, um, but I'm also glad that I have school uh, and my academic passions because I realized also from coming here that um, I've always kind of balanced dance in school and um, being here and just focusing on dance was amazing in some ways um, and it's something that I've always wanted to do but it's also really unsettling when you feel like you're not using one whole side of your brain or like one whole dimension of yourself. And then it's like um, everything you do, you need like balance. Exactly. Right? And so um, I actually really love um, the idea of working at a startup or doing a job that's remote um, so that I can use my brain a little bit and be in industries that you know, I'm still academically passionate about um, while dancing. Like probably something public health related. Yeah, yeah, the only thing that I really need is flexibility of scheduling because um, my, my schedule's all over the place. So some days, so tomorrow, literally, I'll walk you through my schedule. I um, will wake up at five and I have to go to Brooklyn. And you um, live where? Like up, like in, up, up in I live Manhattan. in Manhattan, yeah. Um, I have to go to Brooklyn to um, film this live workout series that I do once a week. And um, so that goes until around noon. And then I'll come back and I'll take classes, or sometimes there's auditions in the afternoon, mm -hmm. or sometimes I'll have rehearsal. Um, so this is auditions for like the companies you're with when they're like having like a gig or something? Like, no, so this something. is auditions for new shows or okay. new opportunities because as a freelance artist, you kind of need to keep looking for, okay, what's happening in a few months? What's happening after that? Mm -hmm. um, so a lot of those auditions will okay. pop up. And then after that, um, I'm going to Mount Kisco in upstate New York to teach. Um, I teach jazz and tap up there. Okay. So that's just a snapshot of one day, and I'm it's kind of all over the place. So thankful you're able to schedule time for, <laughs> time for this podcast. Oh, no. Um, but that's the thing. Some days are really packed like that, and other days are totally busy, totally or totally free, totally open. Mm -hmm. And I have to plan out, you know, uh, am I going to take the initiative to go to that class? Am I going to... Um, just sit in my room and like sleep all day. It's, Cover. Yeah, it's it's a hard balance and it's psychologically been a lot um, and very draining at times mm -hmm. just because there's so much action put into it. It's not like you're showing up at a job and getting a salary for the year and um, and benefits and benefits and, and everything. It's it's really really tough to be able to make a living, afford um, everything that you need to pay for to support yourself and to also mm -hmm. save. Um, and you have to constantly hustle. There's a lot of... You're almost like your own startup yourself. Yeah, yeah seriously. I, that's actually one of the reasons that I really wanted to um, try dancing in the first place is because I feel like it's very entrepreneurial in nature. And I see myself in the future creating my own company of some sort that combines health and dance and wellness um, yeah. into like one startup. Um, and so this is kind of giving me a taste of what it's like to be a self-starter, to, mm -hmm. to create something. I have to create a brand for myself. I have to market my classes and um, do a bunch of things that might feel uncomfortable but that are just necessary for okay. the industry. Okay. Um.
I'll ask you two more questions before we get to the rapid fire because yeah. we're running close on time and you have a class to teach, I think, yeah. coming up. So who are your inspirations as a dancer, I guess? Like, obviously your culture comes into it, but what are the other inspirations, either specific people or something else that inspires you as a dancer? Um, as a dancer, so there's one really amazing Pan alum who I met recently. Her name's Luam and she's choreographed for Rihanna and Alicia Keys and Beyonce. Um, she actually started dancing at Penn in African Rhythms um, and I think she did cultural dances growing up. Um, she moved here, she was working a corporate job and then she would keep dancing. Eventually um, she left her job and then she just stayed and danced and her plan was to go to med school eventually and she just kept staying here and hustling and kind of working through it. Um, and now she's like an incredible creative director, incredible choreographer. She's worked with so many mm -hmm. huge artists. Um, and she's also, she's just so inspirational. And I feel that in a lot of ways, um, like a lot of her messages are that you can't be one dimensional. You can't um, only use like one side of your brain. You have to use all the resources available to you, all the skills that you have to create your path. And I think that that has been very motivating for me. And it's also like not just taking one style. Yeah. Just taking, so like you like you combine Indian exactly, and exactly, and like find, finding a sense of balance within all aspects of who you are. Okay. Um, and then, uh, what I guess advice would you have for someone who I guess is a creative professional like yourself, right? Like maybe it be music or art or dance, yeah. like what advice would you have for somebody like that? I think that um, focus on the business side as much as you're focusing on the creative side. Um, just because you, if you want to make it sustainable, you need to find creative ways to um, bring in money for yourself or it's going to it's going to be really stifling to you in terms of creativity because I mean for me like it's hard to get studio space it's hard to get um, just like funding to put on to create work that I would want to do to film videos and all of that stuff so so I think that you need to find a balance between okay how are you going to create work that is authentic to you and that you want to put out there while also you know being financially sustainable and um, working in this industry um, and so yeah and I think the other part is really finding a work-life balance and having um, or like creative and kind of like academic balance maybe um, is the way that I look at it um, so bring in the other interests and skills that you have and have them complement your artistic side, um, especially if you've always worked that way. I think that it just makes you a more well-rounded person and it helps you find balance and a sense of direction sometimes. And also help your art grow. Exactly. Okay, cool. So the questions I kind of ask everyone, um, this first to a little bit longer answer, um, how do you think Penn has influenced your, you know, trajectory thus far? You kind of mentioned it that, you know, Arts House obviously was a big help, but what, how else do you think? Yeah. Um, in so many ways. I think that I went to a really small high school and so coming to Penn was like open slate. You really have to pursue opportunities and take advantage of every resource available to you and that's what New York is like if you don't hustle and take advantage of everything that, New York has everything. everything. And so without Penn I definitely would not even have a clue how to navigate it. Mm -hmm. It's still really, really tricky to navigate and I have been here for five months and I have still not a clue. I've been here for four years. It's yeah, like, exactly. What, what you never figured out. But um, I think that Penn gave me the confidence to be like, okay, 
I can do it because it's happened in one space already to a certain capacity. Okay, cool. And then we're obviously you're gonna you know hopefully continue dancing for a little bit longer through your MPH. Where do you think life will go? You know, maybe a little bit after that. Um, what yeah. do you see? Obviously, you said you're interested in startups. So yeah, I would really, really love to start my own company someday. Um, not dance company, just. Um, startup or brand in general that encompasses dance, that encompasses health and wellness, um, that focuses on minority communities and women. And that's a lot of things, but I, wa I want to create something that, um, a social enterprise I think that brings in art and social justice and culture and a bunch of different things. All right, well, looking forward to seeing that come <laughs> no, around. We'll see what happens, All I right. have no idea. Lightning round, uh, oh, what is no. something that's making you happy right now? Something that's making me happy is that my friends are really, really supportive. Um, even the class I'm teaching today, a ton of them are coming. Um, and I just feel very blessed to have supportive friends. Hashtag blessed. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, what's, uh, there are two kinds of pen alumni. Don't worry, a lot of people have trouble with this question. Okay, I think people who follow their passions and have no idea what they're doing and people who make money and have no idea what they're doing. No one knows what they're doing, so <laughs> exactly. fair enough. Um, all right, what's the biggest things you had done at Penn, given all the things you did do that you didn't have time to do? What's something you wish you had done at Penn that you didn't do? Honestly, I wish I had followed up a little bit more with the dance program. It gained a lot of momentum my junior year, and I think I just got busy with organization mm -hmm. senior year. I wish I had focused on that okay. a bit more. Um, you kind of alluded to who, who do you see as your role model, not just in dance, but just in life in general? Um, I don't know. My parents, my family, uh, they're really amazing role models. My dad is... Um, a huge go-getter and I think I got a lot of just like the drive to be out there and try different things from him and then my mom is very compassionate and loving and caring and puts that human touch to everything so they're definitely my role models. Alright, uh, what's your advice for your high school self who just heard they got into Penn and decided to go? What's your advice for her? Which is a subtle way of saying what's your advice for anyone still at Penn for the rest of their time at Penn? Yeah, something I heard the first day of Penn was surround yourself by passionate people who inspire you and uh, I wrote that down freshman year I didn't really take advantage to it of it till probably junior year um, so I would say think about that from the very get-go and engage with people at a meaningful level well if Penn's not so for anything it's not sort of for passionate people right um, all right and what's a question that you wanted me to ask you that I didn't ask mm. What's my favorite? Oh. What's my favorite food? What's your, what is your favorite food? <laughs> White packaged bread. Mm, sliced from, bread. Yeah, literally sliced bread, not even the nice Wawa bread. Hey, I would go to Wawa and get just like packaged bread. There's, a reason, all the they time say, in there's a reason it's the standard why it's the thing that things are compared to for being the best exactly. in sense. <laughs> um, all right, is there anyone you want to give shout outs to? <laughs> Uh, all my friends at Penn. Anyone specifically? <laughs> there too many. So no, there. Well, I just I loved literally everyone okay. <laughs> I met there. But Arts House, all the dancers. Um, Thirty-nine forty-four, which was my house senior year. Osiris and Friars and Oracle. Um, 
And just also all the random people I met during Feb Club because they're all amazing. <laughs> all right, sweet. And obviously, this is very important for you as someone hustling, making your own brand. Where can people find you online if they yeah. want to get in touch with If they are a creative person who wants to figure out either being creative after graduation or whatever else, how can they get in touch with you? Yeah, they can um, email me at ramitharavi.94 at gmail.com. I'm on Instagram, ramitha.ravi. Um, and I just created a website. Okay. <laughs> so it's up and running. We'll see what happens. All right, we'll make it. sure to include all of those in the show notes. Yeah. Thank you so much. I know we're right on time. You have to go to your class. But thank you so much for taking time to talk to us. This has been a great episode. Yay. Thank you so much for having me. And that's a wrap. Thanks again to our guests for coming on the show and taking time out of the schedule to share their story and their wisdom. And thanks to you for listening. The show wouldn't be here without your support. Uh, you can subscribe and look at the show notes for the show, including the contact information for our guests at iTunes, the Google Play Store, or upenpodcast.podbean.com. Thanks again to Fortissimo for our, for our intro and outro music. You can follow him on SoundCloud and Facebook. Editing and production was provided by Ninsboy Media. Special thanks to the Pan Asian American Community House and Alumni Relations. A quick reminder, the views and, the, and opinions expressed on this show are those of those appearing on the podcast alone and do not reflect those of the University of Pennsylvania. If you have any questions or feedback, please follow up with us at upanpodcast at gmail.com or at our Facebook page. Till next time, this is your host, Paul Bautista, signing off. Remember, keep it funky, folks. Bye.